Welcome everyone to episode 50 of the Looks Like a Movie podcast. My name is Kevin. I'm here with Doug and Owen. And today we are diving back into the world of Francis Ford Coppola, this time with his 1983 film, Rumblefish. But of course, we can start with what we watched this past week. Um, can I go first this week? I feel like I haven't. Sure, Kevin, you go first, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And I also didn't watch a lot. So um, I watched Clute, the Alan J. Pecula movie, Pecula. How do you say his last name? Anyway, the guy who did All the President's Men. Um, <laughs> Clue is really good, and Jane Fonda is like unbelievable yeah. in that movie. Like one of one of the great performances, just like period. Um, and then I watched Brief Encounter, which I had been meaning to watch for a while because the the fans of romance claim it as a as a classic and um it is it's it's quite good it made me really emotional um it did like a little there's like a i don't know if this is intended because i can't think of like a third movie that has done this but you guys have both seen carol right you know no okay (laughs) doug has not seen carol (laughs) you remember how there's like a moment in carol where kate blanchett like puts her like hand on her shoulder instead of like saying something to her it's just like a brief encounter has like the same exact scene and it's like the most like important little thing in the movie where like the guy puts like the hand on her shoulder and i'm like i wonder if that like carol was paying that or if like a bunch of movies just do like a hand on the shoulder thing because i couldn't think of another movie where that happens anyway that was pretty cool um i watched all of us strangers which we are not doing a podcast episode on but um one of like my favorite movies of this past year now that i have finally been able to check it out um it was very it gave me very much the vibe while i was watching it that owen would have the exact same experience with it that he did with past lives i was like this guy would watch this movie and give it one star i was so tomorrow i've never oh you are okay i've never honestly if you come out of this movie and give it a positive rating i'll be like that's pretty cool i'm like really expecting the word i'm gonna see the boy and the heron tonight and then i forgot the boy and the heron was still in theaters yeah that one's really good as well i think you'll be more positive on that than all of us strangers but anyway maybe maybe you'll like it and paul meskel's great and uh, andrew scott is amazing everybody's amazing everybody i want to I want to go see it, but I really want to watch the Obayashi one first. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's see. Here's the thing. With watching, <laughs> here's the thing with watching that first is like, like, do you want to watch that first though? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. Well, then just like then just like don't watch all of a strange. <laughs> It's like I know what reaction you're gonna have. You're gonna be like, "This just isn't as good." (laughs) Well, I think that, but I think that all of a stranger's um changes some of the narrative beats. Yeah, like I think the ending's different. Yeah, there's very Um, clear differences. I think. Um, I mean, a big well, like the big difference is that the whole like focus of the movie is a queer relationship that isn't in the story, like the original source material. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, that's a big part of it as well um the yeah i'm I'm not gonna spoil the ending three minutes into the podcast but the ending is interesting and i think (laughs) i think people will either really i'm curious what i would think but i think people will either really dislike or really like that ending depending because it uh yeah i don't know it just um the the way that the story goes it's interesting that that's what they end on um because i 
it, when you're watching the movie, it feels like there's a different place that's kind of the natural place for the story to end. But of yeah, I don't. I, I'm yeah. I'm trying to dance around it, so I'm not going to bother. Uh, <laughs> but you know, people who have seen it will understand what I'm talking about. Um, and then yesterday, before watching by Danny Boyle. No, not the best. I said it. Not the best. No, yesterday before watching Rumblefish last night, I went to theaters to see the new Ava DuVernay movie Origin, and it's yeah, um, the best. Don Bernthal. Yeah. So somebody on my uh, letterbox, my letterbox review was just a bunch of question marks, and somebody asked me to make a TikTok video on the movie, and I was like. I don't really want to do that. No, so I might as well so I might as well just like kind of share some thoughts on the Doug podcast. I um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to preface by saying that I feel very highly of Ava DuVernay and I have liked everything that I've seen her oh, make brother. previous to this. Um I don't know what she was thinking when she made this um because it feels so 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 much like and and i don't know if she's confirmed this in an interview or anything it feels so much like she wanted to make this a documentary and like studios told her that it had to be like a narrative feature this does not like this is not a movie like it it's just like straight up not a real movie um, like you watch the movie and you're like, this is a documentary that has been turned into a narrative feature film. I mean, the the entire movie is the only information you get. Everything is delivered to you through voiceover narration, through like like extensive voiceover narration, like conversations, like explaining the themes to you. There's a scene toward the end of the movie, like in the final couple minutes where the protagonist who is a writer writing this thesis about a very interesting idea by the way as a documentary would be fascinating but she but instead the narrative feature is about this writer telling like like watching her discover all these things and put together this book that she's writing and then at the very end she literally pulls out a whiteboard and like explains the themes of the movie to you on that like like breaks down her thesis in the final minutes of the movie on a whiteboard like it's a fucking high school history class i mean like it's it's unbelievable like i watched the movie and i was like this is the most confusing thing i've ever seen because the, i don't like disagree with any of the ideas it's presenting i'm like if this was an ava duvernay documentary it would be outstanding but it just it's not a real movie. I don't I don't know how you can like watch it and enjoy it. I'm like, this is this is like a history class movie, but worse because it yeah, I, I was like I it made no sense to me. I I, I was so confused. I, I literally didn't even know how to respond to what I was watching. There's also uh listen, I'm not gonna be the one to speak on this, but there's uh something included in the movie that I, I don't know if I should spoil on the podcast for people who might, I mean, the movie just came don't out, spoil it. but no, 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 I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> I, I find it difficult to see how this was included in the movie and nobody brought up that it might be extremely insensitive. Um, there is, there, yeah, there's just something that bookends the movie there. There's a, there's a real life event, a real life tragic event that happened 
that is recreated at the beginning of the movie in a lot of detail. Um, and then at the end of the movie, the person who was the victim of this real life tragic event shows up again. Like it's like, it's the ending of the flash kind of, <laughs> um, as like a as like a, a ghost and gives like a nod of approval to the protagonist. Um, it, it, it's truly the most baffling decision. If I told you who this real life person is, you would be like, "Oh, that's insane." Tell us. Um, so is it Martin Luther King Jr.? It's it's worse. Um, <laughs> not, not like what like it's just the fact that it's included in the movie is unbelievable. I don't know how. I, I don't know what like the thought process is there. So why do you give it two stars? It sounds um, because well because I like because because I was I was watching it. I was like yeah I like agree like all the things that they're talking about. I'm like this is really interesting. Like I wanted it to be a documentary. I was like this stuff is like 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 it made sense. I was like this is a fascinating subject. It sounds like a half-star material. Right yeah, here. no. It, I, I mean, and the performances are good. I mean, like the performances are are truly like they're all right. really even like even John Bernthal's good. Like everybody's good. I'm I'm just like. It's just not a movie that should exist in hashtag movie. does not look it like should, a movie. Yeah, it should be. A, anyway, that's my that's my little origin. Right, you, guys that one. What, you guys can tell me what you watched this week. Um, I'm done talking about that movie. <laughs> Sounds like um, a good movie. So Ava DuVernay made like three kind of like significant things, like which is yeah. uh 13th, which is obviously that I, I remember when 13th Fantastic came out. Documentary. Yeah. Um and then Selma and When They See Us. When They uh, See Us, maybe the best limited series that has ever existed. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. So I good. haven't seen it. Um it's so but, good. But then, <laughs> but then she also made the fucking Wrinkle in Time, directed yeah. the Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing that I will say, and I don't mean I like I said this when I was talking to our friend yesterday. I think I think she kind of has a bit of a a bit of a problem when it comes to um like like subtlety <laughs> um, sure uh which is a very like good thing when it comes to something like 13th like a documentary that doesn't like like she's like presenting the facts as they are and you're supposed to take them in but then in a movie like this where you kind of have the idea presented to you in the first i don't know 30 minutes let's call it and then you kind of just like circle back to that same point over and over again as it's like described to you in a lot of detail without any real like added nuance you're just like oh this this would be so much more interesting in a documentary i mean there's even like there's even scenes in the movie where she like sit where the writer protagonist sits somebody down and interviews them and it's staged like a like a talking head in a documentary i, I it's just like i don't I don't understand why this was a movie. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. Every decision is more confusing than the next. I'm just like, this is not supposed to be a, a narrative feature film. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at what like the person is. Yeah. Um, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, now I need to see what person. Just, <laughs> everybody's doing research. For those, for those listening at home, for those Kevin, listening at home, right? if you, if you want to know who I'm talking about, you can look it up. I just I don't like want to yeah. say it because yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah, to. yeah 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 literally yeah, just look at the but... reviews Kevin liked the negative yeah you could look at the reviews I liked on Letterboxd and they bring it up the as first well. lines um yeah it's 
what the fuck what the fuck whoa wait what yeah i wish i wish that wait is it like is it like actually him uh no it's like recreated no yeah i know wait but it's like but like in the movie it's like it's like it's it's no it's they say his name yeah it's it's very much referring to him the real person and is and he's like a cgi no, like, no, it's not like that. It's like an actor playing him. Okay. There's there's a scene at the end that looks that is staged similarly to the Iron Man funeral in Avengers. <laughs> um, except it is her walking through a crowd of people, like a line of people who have passed away in her life. And the final person in that line is this person who we're referring to and as she has kind of like made this very impressive achievement like finished this spectacular thesis that she's written he just kind of like nods and smiles at her and then it cuts to black and it's the end of the movie um i yeah i don't like i wish i was making it up <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, that's, that's, it, it's just what happens in the movie um that's crazy yeah. when i said when i said as a martin luther king jr i was joking I was yeah <laughs> it's um yeah it's for the record for those listening it's not martin luther king jr but like i said you know it's weirder than martin luther king jr yeah, it's, it's a strange <laughs> it's a very strange choice and i don't really know exactly why it's why it's wow. in the movie um it hasn't really sat well with me since since i'm watching that movie anyway um tell, tell me what you guys watched before we get into rumble fish dog what did you watch this week let's, i let's watched from... a couple shorts from avant-garde filmmaker jacques proconte um that's probably how you say his name i don't know um but try though and that's what matters yeah uh he's pretty interesting i i know that um friend of the pod josh is pretty into this guy um shout out, shout he out. uh he uh he does like data moshing stuff i know that owen also watched one of these movies um shorts but like he does like data yeah, moshing stuff me down and made me watch it i really liked it um but, but i don't know shout out hardy um <laughs> we don't need to talk about all of our friends well, well, <laughs> what i found the reason we found it actually um because uh one of his films was in the image book the Godard film oh so i watched that and then i was looking at this letterbox list that contains all of the films in the image book the image book is like a collection of all of them so then i made hardy watch we watched that one and then we kind of went on a rabbit hole and that's how that sort of started but okay that's that's yeah um but this guy's cool um and that what else? hold on oh then we watched knockoff shout out i don't think i checked your really rating afterwards it was really really good uh sui hark it's kind of a fucking god among men <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, really good action movie then I rewatched Mission Impossible Rogue Nation on one lonely night. That, yeah. Did you bump it up uh, to five stars or did you already have it at five stars? Um, I th think I might have bumped it up. What a, it's a five star movie, though. I like yeah. that movie a lot. I don't care. It is what it is. <laughs> shout out. Shout out the cruiser. Um, the <laughs> yeah. Friend, friend of the pod. Mr. President. Um. Uh, then I watched Sergio. Now, I don't know if you know what Sergio is, Kevin. Um, You're not. It's it's about um, 
Sergio Vieira de de Melo, the whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. who was like a real yeah. life? I don't think people's names right because you're not. That's not really your thing. It's yeah, it's not your thing. People the respect they deserve. <laughs> so it's about this guy named Sergio <laughs> who was like a real life United Nations dude. Um, when you talk about movies that just needed to be a documentary, it's yeah. like this was like. I, I don't know why this was a feature like film that I had to sit through for two hours. I was like, yeah. this is so fucking boring because <laughs> it's literally just like recounting things that, that he did. And it's like, not very dramatic or interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. But one of the there's, say, there's a lot of that recently between that and origin and us talking about society of the snow, a lot of, a lot of movies yeah, like, be documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Keep getting brought up. Not very good. Um, Owen hates movies. What movies did you watch? Okay. Um, I watched The Zone of Interest <laughs> twice. Yeah, which um, we will, spoiler, be talking really about next good. week. So. Um, I watched Under the Skin because of that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, did you I like watched, Under the Skin? I don't think I saw you log that. Uh, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as I hoped, I guess. Because I just, I mean, going off of The Zone of Interest, I was like, is yeah. this guy the goat? Um, well, but you had seen his other. Well, I'd, Sexy Beast came like... out in two thousand, so it's like, yeah, I guess. I was, I, obviously, Under the Skin is definitely like more similar to the Zone of Interest than Sexy Beast is. I just think he's yeah. built off what he's kind of. He feels like he's gone on a natural progression of like learning and working and fine tuning his like ideas. In Zone of Interest, we'll talk about this more, but this feels like kind of the this magnum yeah. opus in a way of like the culmination of all the ideas and the things he's yeah. trying to work on and stuff. Um, I watched all three Oceans movies because Soderbergh rocks. Um, I've only I seen first. I have to watch. I did them. watch Clue um, as well. I wasn't crazy about it. I'm oh, you watched Clue? I dropped my rating right now. Oh, live on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's it's fine. I just. I actually, I was like on my list and I've been meaning to watch it forever. And I watched the first Oceans movie and I was, I was waiting for Oceans 12 to download. So I was like, I'm going to watch Clue. And I wasn't crazy uh-huh. about it. Um, I rewatched Jerry. Um, love Jerry. I watched Knock Off, Knock Off with Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Toppin uh, screen test I watched because I was finally <laughs> able to get that because someone found it on Internet Archive after Amy Toppin herself didn't know where it was. <laughs> I don't know if Toppin is like 90 years old. I don't know yeah, if she was no, like no, I know, it's just funny. It's just funny like I have like a thing of you and just like it's you don't know how to access it. She said, yeah. um, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but someone was she she like responded to the person who found it and was like, I haven't seen this since 2006 since David Cronenberg screened it at whatever, you know, or something. <laughs> like it was like David That's Cronenberg was crazy like, a Warhol like thing like did a warhol thing in 2006 and she was there and it was a part of like david cronenberg's like screenings or whatever um and she was like oh this is cool i can see it. <laughs> i have access to this now which is like it's her um yeah and and then i watched this bruce elder film which is like sensory like overload for two hours which is <laughs> it's a really crazy movie um but that's pretty much what i did uh, i also watched i watched some short stuff just like for like research purposes, um, TV ping pong gotcha. and stuff like that. But yeah, it's pretty much my week. Okay. Well, we can dive into our much 
anticipated conversation of Rumblefish. I will anticipated by I who? Yes, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I will say, we'll say as a bit of a disclaimer that I did not plan accordingly for Rumblefish, and after watching Origin yesterday, I was quite. <laughs> I was quite tired <laughs> watching this movie after. Um, and a lot of the time I was just like, oh, things are happening. <laughs> uh, I did still really like it, but I just, I, yeah, I, I wish I had watched this movie earlier in the day before going to see Origin rather than watching it as the second movie kind of later in the night when I was pretty, pretty tired. But regardless, I know Doug and Owen really like it. So where would you guys like to start? with rumblefish let's start at the beginning but like mm-hmm. before and the movie the starts at the beginning adaptation and who's at, the, at the beginning of francis ford coppola was making a movie called the outsiders uh, yeah. <laughs> um, which and, we haven't talked about yet but we will yeah, yeah, yeah spoiler alert again are talking about the outsiders <laughs> quite soon. and yeah. and about a, in about a month from no oh, big spoilers holy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so Francis Ford Coppola was working on a movie called The Outsiders, um, and he, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, because uh, we will talk about The Outsiders, and we're not talking about that movie now, but basically yeah. he just, like, was making it, and he wasn't having, like, the best time, he wasn't, like, loving, um, he basically just wasn't in love with the movie he was making, you know, um, yeah. and while he was shooting The Outsiders, he read the book Rumblefish, and he was, like, had a bunch of ideas while reading it and he was like i can make this into a good movie basically um and he approached i believe same warner author. brothers yeah the uh, same author as the outsiders yeah oh uh, yes that, that's an important that's an important detail yes <laughs> um and he approached uh warner brothers and he was basically like um once we wrap production on the outsiders i want to go into production on rumblefish like i've already written rumble like i've already written um, a screenplay like I have a lot of ideas um, and I and I, I don't want to go right into this and I, I I think it's Warner Brothers that did the Outsiders and they were basically like no <laughs> yeah. we're not you can't do that so he so that he went to Universal and did the exact same pitch and they were like okay um, <laughs> um and yeah and uh, he and um, Coppola said that he wanted to make the Outsiders as Hold on. I wrote it down in my phone. Um, the exact quote of what he said. He said that he wanted to make the outsiders. I thought of it as an opportunity, as an opportunity to make an art film for teenagers. That it could be a lesson in lenses and photography and unusual angles and specifically broaden the cinematic language for teenagers. This is about the outsiders or rumblefish. This is about rumblefish. Yeah, I did actually read that online. Yeah. I I saw that Um, exact quote. And that's kind of how we went into it. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good way to describe right, Rumblefish. Right, uh, right. It's very good. Um, very fucking. It's also like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird fucking movie, too. Um, oh, yeah. But it's very much like a. this is such a teenager movie. Yeah. Like, well, that's what like, that's what I'm that's what I meant about me being like a little too tired to watch it was because I wasn't expecting it or I guess I should say I I was expecting it to be very straightforward like narratively and like 
things just kind of happen in the movie is what I meant. Like I was like, I was watching it and I was like, oh, things are just happening. Like we're just kind of like jumping between things happening. Um, I mean, it it does still make sense narratively, but you know, the narrative is so simple, but the vibe is so uh, not, you know, the vibe he achieves is so interesting. Like the, like, um, in terms of feeling, I think that it is such a good companion to to Eraserhead, which I think most people wouldn't bring up when they talk about Coppola. But like, like the feeling and like the, like the atmosphere of the film is so Eraserhead, and how it's so bizarre and um, kind of feels like like unreality in a way that invokes real life too. It's I don't know, it's interesting. What do you uh, yeah? Do you have anything to say I, before we get into? Yeah, I mean, it's kind <laughs> of like I think adaptations are really interesting. And I think this is kind of a really good example of like a well, even though like I haven't read the book, as just in terms of like using adaptation as source material and using narrative as like a base canvas in kind of creating like tone and visuals that like bounce off this is like this narrative being like Kevin said, like it's very straightforward and you have that as the like the first layer. And then he's just going in so many different directions and kind of building off of that with his visual ideas and his characterization and all that stuff. So I think it's like a very good example of like turning adaptation into art rather than like a very straightforward, like, cause I think adaptations are tricky where um, it can be very copy and paste and not interesting at all in like a visual medium um, in terms of like rather less than you know, a piece of art or more than like just kind of a narrative spilling device, you know, just to retell the story for people that don't want to read, you know, it's, it's more than that and more of a kind of a major work for Coppola. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was so about like adaptation, um, bear with me here (laughs) the movie kind of reminded me a little bit of uh white noise the um the noah pomback film um and like purely just like when i'm thinking about it from a point of adaptation because the way that the characters talk in white noise are a way that characters talk in um john de de dilo whatever his name is books Mm -hmm. um like Um, like um uh where it's like everybody like like it's very like um quippy and literary and you know like very like like that's how they like that's how like they're talking yeah. in the way that like the author like writes them you know not like how people usually talk in movies and white noise mm-hmm. and rumblefish people also are talking like in the way people talk in books like whenever somebody goes and talks to the matt dylan character they're always like come on rusty james yeah, no, like, rusty yeah. James probably, like, <laughs> they say rusty james like a 200 times which is like an all-time name by the way yeah oh it's so good (laughs) like one of the great names for i i I would say a movie character but i guess it's the same name in the book yeah even like the very first line of the fucking movie when um what's his name uh comes uh walks in and is oh lawrence fishburne walks up and he's like uh so-and-so is gonna kill you rusty james and then rusty james is like um not dead yet or whatever it's like it's the kind of like thing where you could like you can imagine how it was written in the novel you know like immediately it's like oh this is just something that an author would write you know Um, well i think it's very obvious that coppola like even like when you're telling that story and it's very obvious that coppola saw and was reading this book and was like this is like a very stylized book and like i can take this and like 
translate this and kind of build off this in sort of a stylized way. Um, and there's, there's obvious like he's keeping that stylization in the terms of like the dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the very first scene of this movie, um, like or like from like we press play right, and you get the 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 universal logo, and yeah. I think you might get the uh, video miniature, whatever um his company's logos do. Um, but then you get like this this fast rhythmic kind of like staccato bells or whatever. Um, and it's like it sounds really cool, and it's like super like it's it's like it's intense. It kind of like it's like kind of a, like an anxiety inducing noise, and you get it, and like you're seeing like like these clouds pass by, um, and and like uh like these establishing shots of I think it's like Pittsburgh, or is where they shot it or something. Um, sure. I don't know. And um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, and then and then we're in like the like the like the bar right, but they're kids, you know. Um. <laughs> um and and then and they're talking. They're like, "He's gonna kill you, Rusty James." And he's like, "I see him try." And he's like, "Give me yeah, some yeah, chocolate yeah. milk, Tom Waits." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then you know, and we get like this, like and the sound is just like the the score is just going crazy. It's like, ding, 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 you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And then until so the fucking nerd kid brings up the motorcycle boy or the uh, what's his name, the motorcycle. Uh, yeah, the motorcycle boy. Yeah, and the Rusty right. James punches the table, and then the music stops, and it's like, oh yeah. shit. Um that's fucking amazing you know it's like it's like really setting up this like this idea of like man time is moving fast you know which is kind of like what the whole movie's about you know um mm -hmm. in a way um certainly uh <laughs> this movie really freaked me out. i've seen this movie before obviously but like re-watching it and like really kind of like really really considering it um and trying to pay attention the movie really freaked me out specifically the um the scene where tom waits who plays the bartender it just like it kind of felt like mean to me when they cut to tom waits and he's like man people young kids just like young people just waste their lives you know <laughs> they think oh what's a few years here a few years there and then and then one day you get i got 33 summers left that's all i got and i'm like yeah, i'm gonna yeah, kill yeah. myself this is why i'm freaking out right now dude and it's like it keeps it keeps uh cutting to clocks and like they yeah, talk to the police yeah. officer in front of the fucking massive clock and i'm like oh my god dude calm down yeah. <laughs> um uh no, really freaked me out i mean it's interesting because obviously this is like you would say like the middle of Coppola's career, but it feels like a very reflective piece as like, it's like something that a younger filmmaker probably wouldn't be the best suited to do. And maybe in, like, you know, just, just an older filmmaker makes more sense in terms of this, like kind of reflecting on youth that mm -hmm. goes on. And I think there's definitely more of that that continues um, later with Coppola um, and like Peggy Sue got married and, in youth without youth and tetro and stuff like that but i think it's this is another kind of reflection on like youth and kind of time um for coppola that's like seems to be something he's very interested in well it's an interesting idea to put in a movie that like you said is for teenagers like it's yeah. like it's an interesting thing to like present it to that audience yeah. to be like to, to say those things and like you know like you said like it scares you which yeah I imagine well be scary for it makes sense because it's like i mean if you're, you're not gonna make a movie for like people who are like 50 and be like hey you're you're done like it's like i mean what are they gonna do 
you know, you really have to, you're, he's, he's attacking the audience that can kind of do something about it or right. kind of take the info reflection in a positive way, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's like kind of the, you know, I, 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 I imagine we're going to talk about story stuff first, so I don't want to like, yeah, about all the, all the overarching ideas, yeah. but. Well, uh, it's I think it's so interesting how, you know, Rusty James is such like a cool guy, you know, like mm-hmm. Matt Dillon is fucking aw- he looks awesome in this movie, you know, yeah, yeah, um, right. and, like, you know, and you know, and you know, Rusty James, it's like he's having fucking sex with women. He's like, he's like not going to school. He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. like, yeah, like, like winning, <laughs> yeah, he's like winning fights and stuff. And it's like, yeah. you know, from a certain like from like really youthful perspective, somebody could be like, oh, man, I want to be like Rusty James. But yeah, the movie yeah. is very the movie is making it very obvious where it's like this guy was a loser yeah. this guy is chasing <laughs> off is just guys chasing something that you shouldn't chase that is dumb you know yeah. and it's like yeah uh Not that but he's you know like he wants to be like his, his fucking brother, his brother. and yeah. and like from that perspective you know like you're saying the like a young audience sees him and is like oh that's a cool kid but he's trying to be cool like his older brother yeah. who is now older and is saying to him like no, this isn't cool. Like, you know, like, like you shouldn't yeah. do this. <laughs> there's that, there's the scene early on. We should probably talk about the movies about, but there's the scene, like the plot narratively. <laughs> well, okay. this, um, we kind of have like a some, summed it up through the relationship between this kid and his brother. Like this guy yeah. like, is a bad kid who, who is doing a lot wrong. His brother is like a former gang member who has now like been gone for two months and nobody knows where he is later we do find out where he is but he's been gone for two months nobody knows where he is and he is kind of trying to like take his brother's spot almost as like the like the leader of this like gang of people um and yeah and then his brother comes home from this two-month disappearance and is kind of just like yeah, this stuff's not cool. <laughs> He's like, I'm not that guy anymore. Um, well, it's it's so again. It's like because you say like two months, right? But the film represents it like it's like his brother's been gone forever, for a long time. forever. Yeah. Like you know, it seems like he hasn't seen him since like he was much younger. Yeah, and then and then like um. And he comes back and he's like all jaded and stuff. And it's like, there's the one scene where um, this movie shot so well, but there's this one scene where right after Rusty James gets stabbed when um, his brother mm-hmm. does, the motorcycle boy does return. Um, the motorcycle boy is his brother. Um, yes. Played by Mickey Rourke. Played by Mickey Rourke. Incredible, all like all time performance for sure. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, and there's like a scene where they're talking about how, oh, like the motorcycle boy um, can't, can't see color and he's deaf right that's what they say like they say this a few times but like when they first establish how like the motorcycle boy can't see color and he's deaf right um they talk about how like man he's only 21 but he looks so much older you know and mickey rourke had to have been almost 30 when they were filming this but i was thinking about that it's like wow man like this is crazy how young these fucking people are in this movie because like he's like talking about like he wants to be like the motorcycle boy so bad but he's like he's like a 16 year old kid you know yeah. he wants to be this tw- his 21 year old brother that like threw his fucking life away because of the, the like, gang violence you know yeah. like it's crazy he's about 30, he's about 30. Um, yeah um, yeah also when he does show up he does the coolest fucking thing in the world which is like take his motorcycle and just just launch it at the guy who <laughs> matt Dillon is fighting he just that whole set it on one wheel and sends it at him it's incredible um, 
that's my so, favorite. That, that part was so funny. Yeah, and the and so like the narrative of the film, right, is about like like what like what literally happens in the movie is like it's about Rusty James uh, wants to basically do gang violence like he's chasing after gang violence you know because the gangs um don't really exist anymore um or like 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 like, he's like chasing a a life that just doesn't like isn't a thing anymore like he's like chasing the past kind of yeah because like probably like when he was younger he saw his brother the motorcycle boy be a gang leader right and then and then and then that ended and then his brother left and now he's like i still want to do that though so i need to like get the gang back together and do fucking gang wars and stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> um and we kind of are just like watching him uh do that or attempt to do that. Life away a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, Between all the stuff we mentioned, you know, him getting kicked out of school and yeah. um there's like a subplot with him and his I guess you could call it girlfriend, right? Yeah, his girlfriend. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um who he's seeing and then they uh and then he goes to this um really interesting like party situation where it just like cuts to them having like an orgy um yeah yeah. (laughs) um Um, and then his girlfriend finds out and and that relationship is is over and then we find out by the way that is it um nicholas cage's character who like kind of planned the whole thing right like he yeah so that he could end up with matt dylan's girlfriend yeah that's like um, at the end right they yeah um this is also anyway. um nicholas cage's first feature film performance i believe oh really right? i believe I it's his first movie right or I, crazy? I feel like i feel I like he so is down there i don't know yeah but, but if you're saying that let's see well uh, he's definitely oh, wait, said wait, it wait, in in fast times um, oh, so, right, right. oh right yeah this it's, might I mean, be it's like very early cage it's like extremely early yeah. cage obviously yeah. uh his yeah uh, it looks yeah. like this well okay yeah so it looks like so rumblefish and valley girl came out the same year and fast times came out a year before right um, so this was all like the start of his career but yeah yeah, yeah. it looked um, like he probably anyway, shot all the three of those at the first, same time. Uh, movie with francis though yeah which is very notable um right and speaking of francis a couple different um very notably uh what's what's her name sophia coppola is in this movie playing his girlfriend's (laughs) Jesse james girlfriend's uh younger sister i I didn't gonna be in a few Coppola's. yeah (laughs) notably jack um you guys some jack (laughs) some jack casting brewing also in the Um, outsiders yeah but that's like the that's like the main overview of the plot you kind of understand oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so we can talk about (laughs) and also it's like this is so much like if you have one if you haven't seen rumblefish what are you doing you know but also (laughs) um this is this is very it's like so much a line every time somebody hasn't seen a movie that we're talking (laughs) about on the podcast um but it's very it's very much a uh a vibe movie you know it's like spoilers don't matter really it's like the plot doesn't really matter it's like it's very much like like the the feelings evoked while watching it and like the and like how the themes are communicated um and they're communicated very visually um yeah the whole thing very early on when we see mickey rourke's the motorcycle boy um go to the pet shop and he's like looking at the color well they established that the fish at the pet shop are in color. The whole movie is in black and white because Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke, the motorcycle boy, uh, can't can't see, can't see color. Um, 
there's one of my I think my favorite line in the movie is um it's like they're at they're at I, Francis Ford Coppola in an interview called it the Black Neighborhood. I forgot what they fucking called it in the movie, but it's like a carnival or something. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. the, they're um they're at that place and um it's like uh Rusty James and the other kid are like, so you're you're uh you're colorblind and deaf, man. Like what's what's the world like to you? And then the motorcycle boy says in kind of like a whisper, he says, black and white tv with the sound turned low and i'm like oh my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that bro that line holy shit um that is incredible but rusty you know rusty james is very interested in the fish at the pet shop which are kind of like yeah. like the symbol and the movie's called rebel fish and like these are like kind of like the like the microcosm like symbol of the whole movie are these yeah. fish that are in color and they establish that these fish are in color in this black and white world very early on and the motorcycle boy he's like um also they also establish that the motorcycle boy is like kind of like like the intellectual brother you know um mm-hmm. like uh like he's older and smarter and like kind of has like a more of like a totally different more uh nuanced view of the world and he goes to this pet shop and he's talking to the rest to rusty james and he's like yeah these are these are rumble fish um and they separate them because if they were all in the same tank they would fight each other yeah. and he's like and it's like man that's like that's what the movie's about obviously right i don't have to explain it but like, yeah that's no, what no, the yeah about. like <laughs> and then uh, well i mean like the big the big thing is that he wants to release them into the yes. river where yeah he, uh, where if there was they would not fight yeah um it kind of explains like if there was enough space for everyone like, right like, yeah, which is kind of like <laughs> this is this is thematically what i wanted to talk about earlier because you mentioned the time thing but i think this is yeah. obviously like the other you know, big idea of the movie is sort of the, um, you know, like individuals or the 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 subject of their environment kind of situation, right? Um, yeah. Where, uh, you know, we obviously like see the way that Rusty James, Rusty, yeah, Rusty James. Why did I think that wasn't his name for a second? I like how <laughs> anyway. Um, like, like we see the way that he acts because of where they are and the way that he was raised um and mickey rourke's character having gone away uh is an entirely different person when he gets back yeah no he left the tank he went into the stream and he like he saw like oh this isn't the fucking whole world you know like yeah Yeah. not just that but there's also a mention of their mother Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys want to talk about that but um but the the mother's not in the movie um, right like, yeah like physically in the movie um and he and, mentions that and like when he goes away he sees their mother um and he also mentions this um you know i i, I don't know if we want to jump to the ending but i guess if we're talking about themes yeah, it's not really it doesn't really matter but um but he mentions that like he never reaches the coast uh, because as he goes california, to Cal- he goes to california right? yeah he yeah. goes to california and he never reaches the coast and then uh at the end of the movie we'll get into the details in a second but at the end of the movie he mickey rourke's character the, the motorcycle boy uh gets killed and the yeah. very ending of the movie is rusty going to the coast um like that's the the final shot of the movie is him Which, at like, that coast so cool. yeah so like i think his- that kind of wraps up that entire the entirety of that yeah, you know, yeah theme and um 
what like how do you guys interpret it as in like well it's like it's 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 um it's the motorcycle boy taking the rumble fish and he's like his dying his dying effort is to free the rumble fish and by doing that like he kind of he frees the rumble fish in like his brother (laughs) right and you know you know by like yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, well, I just, yeah, I mean, like, so, like, you do you have an optimistic reading of it, as in, like, he's kind of gotten away from this life <laughs> by yeah. the end of the movie? Yeah, I think so. I think that's like what the movie's communicating is like, it's like, is that Rusty James kind of, um, it's not in a happy way, but he like he learns, yeah. you know. I mean, of course, it's not happy if his brother, he yeah, yeah, he learns in like form of like almost sacrifice from because the motorcycle boy that's why after the motorcycle boy dies um the movie t- turns color you know and and then now we're, like i think the movie's yeah. communicating that rusty james now uh is no longer seeing the world in this black and white way anymore um yeah uh it's like he's out of the he's out of the fish tank now um <laughs> yeah um i guess to but- you have this well just in that moment when you talk about the color scene he's like punching the um the cop car and he's almost like breaking the glass of the tank um yeah to like escape and like that's when it's like turning color um it's a really good moment oh that's so cool it's a yeah incredible moment i mean this movie's so good this is like i'm not like this is like this would be the best movie and like any other American <laughs> filmmakers filmography. No, I know. It's like it's so silly because I was like, I have my like little list that's like not like really that important, but I like have it just like to like look at it. Uh and I'm still working on it. But it's like, oh, this like you put it like at six or something, and it's like, okay. Geez. But it's like so it's like it's like, oh, that was so good. It's like the thing where it's like we talk about with the a bunch of directors like M Night or De Palma or somebody. It's like, oh, this right. is the best movie ever. This is just like sixth best movie or something right. no, or like whatever like, you put it but it's like it you know it's his filmography so vast and he has so many like great films that it's like silly to rank and stuff like that yeah no i mean this movie is so major it's like watching it for a second time it really hit me like how fucking much yeah. of a triumph this was and i was like oh my god oh my god <laughs> which um, is, yeah it's so good and it's it also like i mean we talked about performances but it's just filled with like so many good performances from like guys who are going to go on and do some great so many great things mm-hmm. um it's kind of like i it's such a great like capture of like the 80s you like especially like Lawrence Fishburne's in it but like young Lawrence Fishburne just being yeah. in it for like the amount he is in and like talking about Nicolas Cage and Matt Dillon and Mickey Rourke and yeah Batman. I think Matt Dillon is just so good <laughs> it's, yeah no he's in, I mean this is like a, a role of a lifetime sort of thing where he's just kind of destroying yeah. the screen as well like mickey rourke and him back and forth is incredible yeah I, yeah, yeah did dude. mickey rourke win an oscar for the wrestler i don't I, know i this is just like a side thing I but i'm just curious if, i'm curious if mickey i rourke think is an oscar winner. i think so because i think people talk about that like as like no he was just nominated okay, okay. Just, yeah, i know people talk about that as like like one of those like important like comeback like things yeah but he lost to oh he lost to sean penn for milk so that was he's an incredible actor he's so good i really want to see i'm not to like go on a tangent but you're the dragon the michael camino film with him as the lead 
I like I gotta see that. Yeah. It's it's eighty five. You haven't seen the wrestler though, right? No, no, but it's it's two years after um a few a few years after Rumblefish, but it's like his lead in a Camino film, like so that's gotta be something special. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think everybody He's in phenomenal. the movie is fantastic. It's kind of like interesting where their careers ended up because they were kind of at the height of their fame yeah. when they were younger and now i mean like matt For dylan sure. was in like asteroid city this past year you know which is like big ensemble I mean, he's also, Jack like, he's also Jack like the 20th was... sure yeah but that's also not you know like uh i guess it's popular among sure sure i mean it's we know but not, <laughs> you know it's not a big movie and like he's still like the you know 15th like build guy in asteroid city like he's a pretty pretty small yeah, yeah. not to say that he's like irrelevant or anything today like he no. obviously is still very relevant no. i mean but... matt dylan just gets to do whatever he wants yeah, yeah. exactly he's um, in like an interesting point where it's like he's kind of done his stuff and now he can kind of just show up when he wants to and work when he wants to yeah he could be yeah. the 15th lead in the new Wes anderson yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. but I, I like i love when he shows up like when he shows it's up, cool like, that he's still <laughs> wanting to I mean, working with like someone like Lars Von Trier and Wes Anderson and stuff like that's it's cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's awesome. Um, put his um, ass in Megalopolis. Oh, <laughs> another yeah. thing, just to I guess kind of yeah, yeah go back. get back on on the on the tracks back back to Rumblefish. Um, another thing that really stood out was the cop like i guess the main like the police in general but specifically mm -hmm. the the cop who's kind of like has a like a like a vendetta almost against the the motorcycle boy um just like an all-time asshole <laughs> yeah i'm trying to who is that guy that plays the cop uh william um, smith william smith who uh what a face and the outsiders what a face and also like the way that he's photographed and like the way that he's you know always got his sunglasses on and like the hat and like it's just outfit and his like demeanor that he has is so good like i mean it's just a combination of so many things that like he's kind of more of a force and like more of like just a figurehead of like authority rather than like a character in, in himself yeah it's it's more he's yeah like well, the, uh, when the cop was introduced, right, it's after that really excellent, like, fight, um, and, uh, like, like they're leaving the fight, and it's the motorcycle boys carrying Rusty James, who's, like, fucking bleeding out of his abdomen, yeah, and yeah. the cop is just looking at motorcycle boy, and he's like, you should have stayed out of town, yeah, while he, Rusty yeah. James, like, bleeding out of, like, he's almost like he's this kind of, like, looming figure, like, on Rusty James's, like, shoulder that kind of keeps just appearing and, like, giving him, like, these negative kind of like why are you doing this sort of situation yeah well i think it's i think it's kind of like a really like radical idea to present the police as like the the ultimate roadblock from from like escaping this life you know like like the fact that um the fact that mickey rourke is trying to kind of like set him free and obit like you know trying to set yeah, the fish and free and like they you know that's the, the reason why the cop like kind of yeah. goes after him is because of the whole fish situation like i don't it's it's like really fucking just yeah like it just works like to put to make that the thing that like the that the escape from you know like this life of violence and the and like this cycle of violence that they're kind of raised in uh, like the reason why they can't 
get out of that yeah. place is because of the police. I yeah, mean, the police like, are very much a part of the cycle as they are. Yeah, just in terms of like, yeah, just like a revolutionary of... idea to have in in this movie. I don't know. I, that was like the one thing when when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, I did not expect that. Like that was um, yeah, that 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 really stood out to me um as like a, a very important detail. Um, is there anything I I missed in my little recap? Is there any like big events in the movie that um? There's the fight between uh rusty james and um what's his name smoky oh right, right, the first, uh, oh okay right right at the, at the end um uh because <laughs> smoky stole rusty james is gal um right. and um <laughs> it's so funny at, at the end because it's like it's like come outside <laughs> and smoky's like i'm not going outside <laughs> yeah 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 it's so oh. silly um I guess I like I want to talk about the scene where Rusty James like kind of dies and just starts like floating. Oh duh, yeah, of course. Yeah, like that's like a kind of an all-time scene. And like it builds and it kind of works so well in this kind of surrealism, like I guess like similar to like when you brought up a razor head, but like it's very much like this moment of him like is so like leaving his body and we get like he like we get like these kind of images of like the people that care about him and stuff. And he's kind of just like, it's a, I guess they're going to kind of continue on that like moment of like reflection that he has. Um, yeah. It's, it's but, communicating how he, um, how Rusty James, right. It's like Rusty James learning kind of by becoming a ghost. Um, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's him learning that like, Oh, like this lifestyle that you're fucking chasing after is not only dumb, but it's selfish, you know? Yeah, um, because he, you yeah. see all the people that like he's going to affect if he is dead, you know. Um, yeah, and it's it's so cool, and it's like again, it's just building on them. We're talking about like these visual ideas to kind of um, enhance the narrative, and and again, like building on like that pretty straightforward, you know, narrative structure and plot, but like totally enhancing it and making it like really, really major through these like visual ideas and kind of concepts yeah really, it's, yeah that's like kind of the most important scene other than like for me the like the whole fish stuff at the end but like that and like his like soul leaving his body is like kind of what i think about when i think about this movie a lot yeah um, um sorry this ahead, Doug. oh no i was just thinking like uh the the mix uh black and white and color uh used here um now i think it's become kind of corny <laughs> like sure. it's a, if like you do a movie now doing that people would be like all right you know yeah i guess at the time like the the big the big one not not really at the time it was like a decade later but the big one is obviously the schindler's list one where it's yeah all black and white except for the girl wearing red mm -hmm. um it's on film I, I don't I can't think well, of like a real thinking modern too, example doing it on film like that. There's yeah, that well, one like, movie with Tobey Maguire. I, I forgot what it's called. But <laughs> Spider-Man um, Three. Spider-Man Three. <laughs> <It's all laughs> um, no, yeah, I um, and we can yeah, talk no, about. Yeah, well, no, it is. I, it is interesting. I don't know how you would approach that today. It's just it's something that you, it's very like has to be earned, and I think like stylistically, um, and I think the you know talking about his 
that, but I was like avoiding not being able to see color and like the importance of the color in the the text is works Less really well. well. That's what I was oh thinking yes, yes, okay. Okay. yes, yeah, that does it um, too. Uh, I I think it, I, I think it can be done. I just I do think it's yeah for sure definitely like something that has to be pulled right. Off. But Pleasantville is also 1998. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if there's like real present day examples um, of somebody trying to do something uh, like Tetro. Um, <laughs> okay but i mean like you know, well, i didn't know that like, tetro also uh was mixed by white and color yeah, right uh, but that's that's kind of obviously shout out coppola <laughs> yeah that's obviously i mean that's the same guy doing uh, it. no i know but um, um that even you're gonna really like that one doug that one i mean very beautiful black and white movie um yeah really special I, I was um, gonna ask if you got like if there's specific things you guys want to talk about visually because it is one of you know the best strike looking movie. films. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, the, like uh, he other than the color, of course, which is a you know big deal. But uh, Coppola in the interview I watched, um, there's probably a uh, commentary for this. I didn't listen to it because um, it just wasn't on the version that I had. But uh, if there is, I didn't listen to it. Um, uh but um in the interview i watched uh coppola talked about the costuming um because i think in the book everybody is just described as wearing like these gang jackets that Smokey's wearing mm -hmm. um Smokey is uh the nicholas cage character um um and right. he uh coppola was like i don't want to do that because <laughs> it didn't feel very normal so he like kind of had to work like think work with his costume designer and cinematographer and like thought about like each character and like what they would wear and like how we landed on uh everybody like he landed on the leather jacket with the mickey rourke and obviously of course very iconic at least i feel like it's iconic to me at least the you know the 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 wife beater the white wife beater on rusty james and, and you know got the thing in his head and yeah and the... I, yeah it's <laughs> no matt dylan has like an all-time look in this movie and I think it is important that he does stand out like stylistically in his the way he dresses in terms of the other uh, characters because he he definitely like he has this almost larger than life kind of vibe to him in this movie um that's very he just had like i don't know it, it also just like is a lot of just being matt dylan and then just the yeah. way he carries himself in this movie but he's like full stardom here he really kind of explodes on the screen um, yeah i really like um the clouds we think we touched on it a little more but there's this like scene where you have like the pet shop uh logo and like you're looking in the store and then like the reflection of the clouds um it's really right. cool i don't know there's just so much and i and we talked about it like a ton but the the rumblefish themselves and the color the use of black and white versus color those those fish really pop and they look like amazing um really great like like yeah. i love when yeah. they're in the um they're free um and like they're in like the grass and they're like wet and they're right. just like against like the like good black grass i guess they look really rich um it's yeah all-time like shot movie <laughs> but that's like <laughs> yeah i just, mean yeah that's just coppola maybe oh that's just what they, he does and yeah. i feel dumb because i didn't mention like obviously um i know that the mickey sorry that the rusty james like like look is is very it's intentionally referenced to Shri Shrikar and Desire but uh 
And I think Coppola mentioned that in the interview too, because he like worked on a on like a theater adaptation of Streetcar Named Desire when he was like real like in like in school. Well, yeah, yeah, though though that wife beater kind of look is so like that's brand. Are you talking about like in film? Like that's the Brando thing there. That's a very kind of iconic image. Yeah. Um. Man, the motor. Speaking of larger than life, I mean the motorcycle boy. Talk about like. Um, Coppola kind of re- talks about how he, uh, the motorcycle boy, uh, he, when he was making the movie, he it was about his brother because he was like, um, while he was reading the book, you know, he was making connections to his own life and he was saying how like um, his older brother was like the first intellectual in his family, you know, and right. um, somebody that he really looked up to. Um, and in this movie, it's like, yeah, I mean, Dennis Hopper. Listen, great actor, terrible father. Yeah, we didn't even about Dennis right. Hopper. That's true. Oh, yeah, we didn't even mention that whole part of the movie. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, like the home life. You know, Dennis Hopper is a uh, is like t- awful alcoholic, um, like like not a functioning human being. Yeah. Um, and and like you know, the, like the mother's not physically in the in the picture. You know, not in the frame of the film. Uh, and. Yeah, and it's so it's just like Matt, you know, it's again, it's like Matt Dillon. It's like he's in this cage, you know, like yeah. uh, from from his home life and like the school and the police. Right. It's like this, this triangle making of this cage where it's like, oh, yeah, the only thing that he could see is, you know, I listen when I was, you know, my brother was in gang violence. And that's like the only role model I've ever had in my life. So now that's the only thing I have to aspire to is be this rumble fish. Oh, talking, I'm talking. Yeah. So this is circular conversation yeah, now. Yeah, I'm not yeah. in circles, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, well, I, I think it's probably just a testament to how thematically strong the movie is, like how well it gets across these ideas. Um, I think, I think my favorite um, shot in the scene in the in the movie is when. Uh, it's on the big truck, right? And it's the cop is talking to Rusty James and uh, the motorcycle boy. Um, and they're talking in front of this truck carrying this massive fucking clock. Because it's like the most obvious symbolism. But I'm like, man, it's like, it's really getting the point across to me. And I th- it's very, it's 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 crazy too. Because like they're just talking in front of this massive clock like it's normal. You know, it's like, what the fuck yeah. is this clock doing here? Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is there um is there any other specific scenes you guys want to touch on or or I guess just stuff in general, but uh I like Kevin when Rusty James keeps seeing the girls um when he's like just working and then he like, like there's these like oh, great yeah. shots and then like she's like basically naked up there. Those are just yeah. really funny bits. Yeah. And that well that also goes into like this idea of like, you know, he's um or like we're like time's moving by fast and he's like he's like wasting all of his time by yeah. going to school going to work it's like he doesn't care about this and he has to fantasize yeah, about his, his head having sex yeah. yeah like he's not really in the moment or caring about what he's doing at all yeah um yeah. is i was gonna ask me something is this your favorite francis ford coppola film no Okay, <laughs> uh, like not to like, oh. not in like a you know, not at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a vibe I got. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it. 
I think maybe if I rewatch it, it could definitely be something that I appreciate a lot more once I've seen it more than once. Um, because I think a lot of like, I think I really like a lot of the ideas of the movie. Um, and Wait, Kevin, what's your favorite Francis Ford Coppola film? Uh, so, something lame, probably. I mean, <laughs> like, like the Godfather. It, yeah, it's either the Godfather or Apocalypse <laughs> Now. I actually don't. Uh, one thing that I've shied oh, away right. from doing, I have, I have like so many lists of director rankings on my letterbox. I actually have not made a Francis Ford Coppola one, which maybe I'll do after this episode. But specifically, the reason why I never did is because when I was younger, I watched The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Yeah. However, in the years following for at least like the past decade i've only ever gone back and rewatched the first one so i don't really remember how much i like the godfather 2 compared to the first one or like really how much i like it at all i mean i'm sure i like it just how as much, much you like the godfather part 3 I, I have not seen the godfather part 3 um which like i'll also watch so my i think the reason why i don't have a ranking is because i want to go back and watch that whole yeah, trilogy so i can see like where they kind of stack up against each other but the godfather has kind of always been. i mean the godfather has been one of my favorite movies since like the first time i've seen it it's just like yeah i don't know i don't mean i don't want to be lame or anything but like you just watch the movie and you're like that's the, God- that's the godfather <laughs> yeah, just like, i always oh. forget about the godfather and apocalypse now um yeah well that's the when, when you asked me i was like i thought you were joking because we did an episode on apocalypse now where i yeah. mentioned that like <laughs> how much i liked it so i was like oh is yeah i was a little confused by the right question well. yeah i don't know i don't know My, i had to say something we're doing a podcast here was... <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, i mean i don't know where it's i i think the more doug asked me, asked me i think oh, okay <laughs> uh hey hey wait hold on ring ring uh hey owen is um you don't really is rumble fisher podcast. is is rumble fisher favorite uh princess Ford coppola or no okay um he said no yeah i heard (laughs) i think the more interesting question for me will be when we revisit the outsiders in a month from now because currently i have them rated the same but i don't know it's been a while since i've seen the outsiders so i'm curious which one of these two i'll like more specifically because of what you mentioned at the beginning of the episode i guess and um it's interesting i know that he probably likes yeah i was gonna say like he definitely likes this movie more than the outsiders but i don't know that i can separate how much that movie meant to me as a kid from you know what i mean like it's just like always going to be a movie that i like that was kind of the ultimate for me uh, this isn't really in reference to the movie but the ultimate book report like school situation where like we did the outsiders when we were in like seventh or eighth grade or whatever it was and i read that book and i was like oh reading is the coolest fucking thing in the world like that was the first that was the first like other than like the books i read as a kid like 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 little kid you know like magic treehouse or whatever shit that was but like i read the outsiders and i was like oh like books are fucking awesome um and then i watched the movie and i was like movies are fucking awesome too Um, (laughs) so it's probably really good i know it's in or whatever this is worth it's in peter greenaway's stairs which a lot of coppola's movies are in but like that's his like these are all the great movies to watch like and like it goes from it's like a thousand movies or whatever um there's a lot of coppola movies in it i know a lot of people do like uh, the outsiders as well so i'm sure it's really good i yeah we'll obviously talk about that more well the thing I don't think that <laughs> we'll we'll talk about this when we when we get to the outsiders specifically but i guess it's not the worst thing to bring up when while we're talking about how cool matt Dillon is because 
for the longest, like the reason why I have so much love for Matt Dillon the way I do now is that when I was younger and I watched The Outsiders for the first time and I saw him as Dallas, I was like, that's the coolest fucking person that's ever existed. Like, <laughs> like I watched that movie and I was like, this is the ultimate like cool guy. Like no guy has ever been this cool in my life. Like, you know, like, you know, like the, like, you don't know, like, like that, like that thing where like, I want to like, you see somebody and you're like, I want to be that person. Like, I wish I was that guy. Like, that's how I felt. Why? Like it was like a, a life changing moment for me seeing him play Dallas in that movie when I was younger. Um, so I, you know, but I think, kind of circling back to Rumblefish, I probably can imagine myself having a similar experience if I watched this movie when I was, you know, 14 or whatever. Um, like, uh, kind of. Yeah, I think The Outsiders is one of those things where a lot of people just watched it in school. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's like the ultimate kind of not the ultimate, but it might actually be the ultimate like had to had to watch this for school movie. Um, I guess there's probably like someone like history movie. I don't know. Like, uh, did you guys always watch the, the, sorry, this is a total tangent. Did you guys always watch the Patriot in history class? We always, no. had to, we always had to watch the Patriot. <laughs> with, no. with no. um, I, I saw that shit like, like four years in a row in, in, in social studies. Um, anyway, back to Rumblefish. Do you guys have any um, closing remarks? I guess any, anything. Uh, the decision to, the decision to uh record record um to film the <laughs> movie in in black and white uh is very striking too because obviously like he did it because um the details in the book talks about how uh the the, 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 the motorcycle boy can't see color right yeah um and i and in the book i'm pretty sure like they like they're very specific like he's colorblind but like it's not like colorblind it's like he sees in black and white you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah um but and like the decision to do the movie like that like like all black and white mixed color you know is really creatively triumphant um <laughs> and i think it's cool how it can be interpreted in so many ways because what you said earlier on the podcast dog was kind of that you know like that depiction of his kind of view of like a, a black and white world um not his not the motorcycle boys but uh, uh rusty rusty james rusty. Yeah. yeah like so i i think i think that's really interesting that you can kind of view that from a couple different perspectives even though like that's obviously the the inspiration for it um anyway is that oh and do you have anything else to say no no good okie doke well we don't have the busiest news day, but we do have a few things to discuss in the news. Of course, before that, I'd like to remind everybody to like the episode, comment, subscribe on YouTube, rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter, of course, um, and follow us on Instagram. I forgot. I keep forgetting that we have the Instagram now. Um, Yes. and join the discord if you want to chat with us new uh, posts coming soon yeah new posts whenever doug wants to post that <laughs> I, listen, I'm, work, I'm working on it it's um anyway uh like i said not the biggest news day i will i i kind of like squeeze this into a news headline because i knew you guys wouldn't want to like do a whole section talking about the emmy since you guys don't care about tv so i guess i kind of just like squeezed in a little summary of what went down at the emmys which is pretty much just that 
every drama category was swept by succession every comedy category was swept by the bear and every limited series category was swept by beef so those three shows pretty much won every single uh, award at the emmys did you watch um, beef I watched two episodes of it. I have seen Succession and the Bear. Um, I watched yeah, Beef. I so between yeah, the three of us, we watched everything. Yeah, I mean, you kind of liked it a little bit, right? You didn't love it. But uh, you, Beef you was liked. good. My biggest I note is like it should have been a two-hour movie. Beef right, should have been a two-hour right. movie instead My, of a six-hour limited series. So as, as for the other two shows, I really... I, I so strongly believe that Succession should have won every single award it was nominated for, and it did. So I don't really that I have no problems there. I'm like, there's just no reason why anything should have beat Succession in any category. However, on the Bears end of things, uh, I would like to voice my complaints a little bit, just because I I think it's I think it's a little bit sad that Succession kind of got its like retirement tour like moment you know what i mean like they just went through the award circuit after their final season and just swept everything like a giant goodbye to like probably the show of the past couple years um barry also ended this past year and lost every award to the bear and I'm fine with the bear winning a number of those awards. I don't really care that Jeremy well, I mean, White won best actor. I think the bear is a good show. Like it deserves a number of those. I think Barry should have gotten at least a little bit of that treatment in a couple of those categories, specifically Bill Hader probably should have gotten recognition for writing and directing because if we're just being honest, especially directing like, that award belongs to bill Hader. <laughs> what about, what about and, better call saul that shit won oh sure that was Emmys. that was in that was in the succession section that was not the bear and oh, okay, 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 um, okay. like yeah i mean better call saul lost everything to succession which is you know like what can you do <laughs> uh yeah i don't know it's just like even like some of the performances uh you know i don't want to get into details but like or, or point people out specifically i was shocked not shocked i knew it was going to happen but Anthony Kerrigan is giving one of the all-time performances in Barry, and um, it would have been cool if he got one one big award at the end of the show's run for that because I, it's just unbelievable. Um, but you know, the bear did what the bear does, and will probably do for the next couple Emmys, I guess, until the show stops <laughs> running. Um, anyway, we could get into, I guess, our actual little pieces of news here, which are m mostly all of these. Are... How many Emmys is Ted going to win? Is the wrong question? <laughs> I don't. I think, think the bear won a bunch. Oh right. Okay. Okay. All right. Shout um, out for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All pretty much all of our pieces of news here are upcoming uh, movies or, or you know, just like pieces of new movie news. Starting, I guess, with. Um, Gabriel LaBelle, Cooper Hoffman, and Rachel Sennett uh, to star Boom. in Jason Reitman's SNL 1975, that's the, which that's is the a keyword. Jason Reitman, yeah. rancid, uh, rancid vibes emanating from this announcement. Yeah, like, truly film, rancid. Like it's oh. a film based on the real life behind the scenes account of the opening night of SNL, which is a pretty oh. boring idea for a movie. <laughs> 
it's, it's yeah, one of those I'm things where like it could be good in the hands of like a really interesting yeah, writer. Like, would be, I would no literally like, if 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 yeah. it, like all of the if everything about this was the same except it's written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, I would be like, holy shit, Most this is gonna be movie of the movie. year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, oh my god. Um yeah. it was like geez. those three, at least he made Juno. I don't know. I think I think those three are gonna be like really big um i really love like yeah i don't like the fablemans but gabriel is really great and yeah. like cooper hoffman and uh rachel sinnon are like those are I, I made a tweet but i was like these are our, our three like most exciting young actors some of our three most yeah. exciting young actors and like that them being the like casting for this and then knowing what it's actually about and who it's being made is like so annoying <laughs> at the very least it like it's, is a vehicle for them to give good performances even if the movie's not. yeah like i'll see it for them but it's just like come on Wait, and it's really funny I... like it's like cooper hoffman cooper hoffman's like gonna be in like a thing or two but like him and like Oops. gabriel are like both like not really in much and like the casting news for them like um in this to be like the big next big thing for them is like kind of disappointing sure like, but like it sense, probably like, will be a fairly big thing though like it's like no, at least it's like but the and they're, and they're super and they're super <laughs> yeah but like no i'm not disagreeing with you but like it's not and and if you zoom out to the bigger picture like they're both very young the movie is gonna I get know. them is gonna make them more popular than they were before it came out um yeah i, don't I just know. wish like, it was like, like it was like obviously uh, we wish it was a better movie i mean the movie has random made, yeah. it's gonna yeah, be bad it's gonna be bad it's gonna be bad it's gonna be bad sure you know who should but... you know who should fuck um what's his name reitman jason uh reitman. jason yeah. reitman. jason reitman not actually we're being hyperbole this is entertainment yeah. i mean like uh, i said he made but, matt johnson should have made this movie Oh, the, the guy who made Blackberry. The guy that made Blackberry. That would be cool. That would be something to be fucking excited I about. I think that would like, be. That's what I mean. Good. It's that like real. It's choice. like the the concept is one of those things where like it's boring, but it could be fun in the hands of somebody that like mm-hmm. is really interesting and like can spin it into something kind of crazy. You know, well, like yeah. you need to have you need to have one of two things. It needs to be interesting concept or good director. You can have both bad. You know. <laughs> Yeah. The cast is like the only good thing about this, and that you can't win off just cast. Cast can't carry you. Yeah. You need one or two things. Yeah, look at the movie Valentine's Day. What the movie is that? <laughs> I mean, me and Doug were talking about Valentine's Day before recording. It's like it's um, like Anne Hathaway it's, and it's fucking... just a stacked cast for a bad yeah. Valentine's Day movie. Anyway, oh, yeah. uh, well, it's like I mean, even like good concept, like it's like. Don't look up's concept is fine, and then like the cast is good, but the director is horrible, so the movie's bad. Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it it's really hard. Like that, the who's making the movie is like really the big part. That's the big important yeah. part. Yeah, um, and Raymond's um, not like the worst, but he's not good either. So it's like it's like a boring concept. It's like I know what the fucking movie's gonna be. That's why like yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I know what the movie's gonna be, and it's probably gonna be worse than even what I'm imagining. You know, like it's gonna be like <laughs> one of those Netflix movies that I'm drivers in that no one hears. It's gonna about. be like fucking <laughs> dumb money. Oh, did you just say? Well, hold on, because those dumb Netflix movies, Adam Drivers in those are Noah Baumbach films. <laughs> so that's yeah, there's, no, there's what I'm thinking. There's what I'm thinking. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's like that's okay. Well. 
While Owen looks that up, I will say <laughs> this is a good time to transition to a movie with another good cast, but also a good director that is exciting. The report, which is Scott uh, Z. Burns. Oh, the, oh, the report's report. not like the worst movie. In the world. <laughs> it's probably so it's, boring, though. That I don't yeah, even know if I watched not, it. Did I watch it? That's what I'm talking about. Not, it's like an irrelevant, like it's an irrelevant movie that. The, um, the only reason I know of it is because Adam Driver's in it. Yeah, it's not the worst movie in the world, but it's like he's not, doing, this movie he's not be the worst stuff. movie in the world, but it's gonna be boring and yeah, it's and an hard. elephant. Um, the next it's piece of elephant. news. The next piece of news: Kate Blanchett and Michael Fassbender to star in Ooh. Steven Soderbergh's spy thriller Black Bag. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be gonna rock. The killer. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, I mean, and I mean, Mr. Soderbergh. Come, come on, Soderbergh is. I want to be. We're talking about. Ridley Scott, but Soderbergh is really our like hardest working man in Hollywood. Like, yeah, that, dude, sure. that dude is insane. Bro, it not just sleep. yeah, not just because of even like all the stuff he's directing, which is like, yeah, he's just everywhere writing and <laughs> yeah, like he just he does he, it all. Yeah, um, no, he's very very active. I saw him uh, do a Q and A for um, this new thing uh, recently, and he is talking about just like producing and like how like he approaches it and. He just is the coolest guy. He's like, because someone asked him a question about, like, do you go into something like this, like, to make money? And, like, his really response was, like, I have the resources and I want to see these things get made. And, like, as an artist, like, I'm just here to, like, create things and, like, uh, make sure that the important things like this get made. Yeah. It's like that. He's just the coolest guy who cares so much and, like, he knows the position he is in and is willing to, like, just do everything he can to make cool yeah. shit happen. Um, and, speaking and so speaking cool. of him, I don't know if you saw this piece of news, Owen, so maybe we could get a live reaction because I read it to Doug right before we started recording because it's another piece of Steven Soderbergh-related news that was just posted like right before we started this episode, which was that his movie Presence saw a couple of walkouts at its Sundance premiere due to how scary it was. And one viewer whispered, I can't take this stress so late at night. Yeah, and then the I, star Lucy Liu at the end of the screening I said having reactions as if I, I saw Cinema Joe's tweet as well, where he was basically like, I saw this last night and it wasn't that scary. So oh, no. I mean the thing I'm more interested in, I think it was it was the tweet they were talked about, like I think I don't know who said it. I'm not I don't know if it was Amy Tobin, but that might be who said it. But I was talking about like this is uh what was it? It's this is Steven Soderbergh's Carrie if Carrie was directed by Michael Snow or something like that. It was like this is uh, the oh, craziest yes, thing ever. Yes. I Amy Tobin did oh. say that. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that shit sounds like the greatest thing ever. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I mean something being scary or not isn't really that right but, but i do think like another piece of i think what's interesting that lucy lou is like my body's having a reaction as if i wasn't <laughs> the movie. that's so funny oh uh, lucy yeah. lou's great i love lucy lou oh yeah i'm really excited for this who knows when it comes out um it'll right. it's it could be like a thing soderbergh like recently like he just shit will just go straight to streaming so like i don't know like uh who knows We'll probably yeah. be able to see all these Sundance movies. The thing um, we'll probably be able to see pretty quickly. Um, I don't okay, know. Is that how normally it works? Sundance, you get them quicker? I think so. Yeah. Uh, 
because um a lot of Sundance Sundance is pretty fertile ground for distribute uh, distributor yeah. distri am, distribution companies to pick up movies. Dude, holy. Yeah. yeah. So um no, are you gonna set up? No, it's just yeah, so I think we'll be able to see a lot of these stuff. We're excited for out of Sundance pretty fast. Granted, there is like there is like the odd movie at like uh what's that movie called? Um the Jonathan Majors box like bodybuilding oh, movie. That's different oh, because I mean, yeah, yeah, that shit premiered at Sundance last year and we still haven't seen it. Um, yeah, but, but something big happened in between the right. I didn't hear oh, what happened. I didn't I didn't hear about that. Okay. Uh, um our next case of it was an Ant Man and it flopped and they were really like scared of like um Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler are reuniting. I think the word reuniting is interesting because they have made every movie together already, but um, they're reuniting for a new movie that is mostly secret so far, but has been described as a genre feature and Coogler both wrote the script and will direct it. Um, so we don't really know anything about the movie, but um Kugler and Michael B. Jordan are making them. No, so that was that was the initial thing I saw was that it was a vampire movie. But then There's when no I went, vampires. then when I went back and was looking at the news for this episode, I saw a different post that just said it was a, a genre feature. So then I I googled their names together, and all of the top stories are just describing it as a secret movie that is a genre feature and they had no mention of vampires so maybe it is a vampire movie maybe that i don't know what up. happened i don't know yeah. what yeah i don't know what happened exactly but now i'm i'm not certain that that's what the movie is so that's why it could be but as far as we know we know well, very interesting because i mean when you say when you say kugler and uh jordan when you say genre i'm thinking this is going to be an action movie but i think if right. they were to do like a horror vampire it, maybe if even if it's not vampires but if it's a horror movie that'd be really interesting and something like there was a part of there was a part yeah, of the story right. that said it was there was a part of the story or, or the articles that i read that said the movie is uh like reportedly not set in the present day so i don't know how that affects if it is if it does end up being okay. a vampire story this shit is yeah. a vampire movie this shit's uh, gonna rock yeah <laughs> i mean that, i think regardless of what it is a historical like vampire movie from coogler and jordan sounds really yeah awesome. that would be very listen i'm happy that ryan coogler is making movies making a real I... fucking movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. i mean he's just like one of them i like ryan coogler a lot i'm like as high on uh ryan coogler as a person could get i think um i think we as a cinema community got a little fucked over by him getting locked down by marvel for a couple yeah. of years you know yeah but like oh. we deserve good ryan coogler movies because he doesn't yeah, he's a really talented make... filmmaker dude yeah he doesn't really oh. make bad one i mean obviously like you could say you know like his marvel stuff or whatever but even then i'm just like, this like is, we don't this need to even talk about those yeah. like, like, real movies like yeah but even then i'm just like this guy is making them better than other people. <laughs> um, yeah. Like he's just he's just really fucking good. Even like franchise stuff. I mean like the Creed stuff is franchise stuff, but it's just like fantastic franchise stuff. Like he's just I mean he's really talented. And it's like yeah, like I said, uh, Michael B Jordan has appeared in every single one of Ryan Coogler's projects, so it's not really like a reuniting thing as much as it just is like it's more norm, just a, but, by what i mean um, by that is reuniting is in ryan coogler's directing a real movie again <laughs> yes yeah sure yeah um but it's just like a perfect collaboration like it's like they're just like a duo that just you know if if they're making a movie i'm excited even if we don't know any of the details yeah i'm just like yeah this is this is cool <laughs> yeah no it's cool i'm excited 
Uh, and then I don't know how excited you guys are for this final one, but like I said, not not a whole lot to choose from this past week. Um, <laughs> David F. Sandberg to direct a film adaptation of Until Dawn. How did, yeah, you, guys, did you guys play Until Dawn? Uh, no, uh, written by Gary Dauberman. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yes, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, Until Dawn, written by Gary Dauberman. Here's my thing. Okay, here's my thing. Um, Until Dawn, right? Uh, weird the problem with this is that until dawn is like one of those video games that really do not need a movie adaptation because it is like a it, yeah, it's like just a movie that you play through game. yeah like it's a movie <laughs> yeah. that you just like watch cutscenes through yeah um, the whole thing is just cutscenes basically uh it's so that's kind of weird i will i mean listen it's written well, by gary doberman i don't like yeah <laughs> i mean i was always wasn't there like a long reported thing about um life is strange being turned into a movie that just like never happened that would like, also that... have been weird because that's again life is strange is just a, it's, a, it's already yeah a movie. but also like, like i kind of would want it i don't know like if somebody <laughs> made if somebody made like a life like somebody good made a life is strange movie i'd be like damn i'm actually really excited for this um so i don't know i haven't played until dawn um but like i've also watched other people play it so i get the idea um i haven't played until dawn but i played the quarry which I think is like the same thing. Like I think <laughs> right. it's like like the same developers, even. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, um, it's so, interesting. David F. Sandberg made um, Shazam. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, okay. he directed. Oh, I was yeah. thinking movies. And he was. Like, I was. Too. I was thinking of a, a horror movie. Yeah, he did Lights Out. That was his that's big. What I was, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. Lights He's, Out. David what? F. Sandberg is actually like. I'm not joking. Like a real. Like actually. Like perfect study case for like breaking into the industry where it's like he made a short film and the short film uh was seen by the right people and then he was able to make that short film into a feature-length film and then he through that feature-length film he was able to like he was able to get jobs directing like big expensive Big hollywood movies yeah yeah it's like he's like the yeah and now he gets to do like that he's just like levi starring in the what is this shit called <laughs> but, like you know what I uh, until dawn, uh, but you know what I mean yeah. though, right? It's like he's like he's like a yeah yeah. Uh, so um, gauging the excitement on on an until dawn movie one one to ten. Fuck, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. Um, it okay. might be good. <laughs> That's like a uh, three, then I think. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to do a little bit of a Sundance watch? Sundance, I think, is going to be over when this podcast comes out. Um, or near or wrapping up at least, but do you guys want to do like what are, what are our reactions out of Sundance that we've heard through the grapevine? None of us are there, obviously. Um, yeah, none of but... us are watching any of this stuff. Um, I mean, it, it's it... listen. Everybody wants to watch. I saw the TV glow. Yeah, um, that's the thing. That's the big fucking story, right? I saw the TV glow. I mean, it's I gonna keep, be the greatest movie seeing... ever made. Um, I don't, you don't you haven't seen uh, we're all going to the world's fair Doug right no it's just the vibe I get from that I haven't yeah, seen it yet but it's so good, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. but like so good. Jane Ball, the guy who did far, I'm sorry I'm forgetting his name but the guy who did the outwaters like these all seem like these kind of next generation of like these horror kind of yeah and all three of these people you just named are 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 out queer people like I know that <laughs> yeah uh Kyle Ball and like, I forgot his name too but the guy that did the outwaters yeah. are both openly gay like, men which like I don't know it's very cool to see those guys like really well recently and it just it feels like a start of i guess the word i was using for was like movement it feels like a really interesting like new movement of like filmmaking um that we're only kind of seeing like the beginning of because like as i said like the outwaters and scammering 
uh, or like those guys is like big break first movie sort of thing all of the reactions out of sundance are so i mean david elric who yeah, yeah, we've yeah. talked about we kind of referenced but like david elric you can make an argument is the biggest like the like the most i don't know maybe the most influential film critic right now it's left it's yeah. i don't want to get into debate or anything but um yeah, yeah, yeah. He, i mean he like, wrote like a super there. glowing review of it yeah you know and it's like it, all of these no, well, all all news out of sundance has been extremely positive and even like uh sydney who didn't like well she liked we're going those were world's fair but like didn't love it as much as this it was all like she's saying like this is like kind of major work um so yeah, like that's, yeah. what, that's what every so single person that has seen it we're calling World's it fair, like, major. Hey, still this is my still like check this out and be excited for this because yeah it's, and this uh, was like number different. when we did this episode a few weeks ago this was already like number four on my oh, most yeah, anticipated no. list when we covered that like it might as well be number one now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, like, there's I mean, not really. I talked about it as well. Like, this is one of those when I saw world. I when I saw world going to the world fair, I believe like it's kind of. I guess when we talked about like this internet kind of like culture and stuff, it's different. You kind of it's a different feeling and kind of emotional reaction when you're watching something made by someone like. Kind of, I mean, not like this is still like probably like a generation like above us, but like still close enough in age where like there's this kind of understanding of how these spaces work and how like the internet works, and that's just yeah. you weren't getting in any other movie that ever existed before, like recently. Well, I think, um, I think something that's cool about it as well, like you guys are mentioning how that's possible, but I think even if you like pull back a little bit, it's very cool that like some of these promising like newer directors are making movies that are not very conventional or like marketable to mainstream audiences and like but we're at a point where so many people want to watch them that they're able to make them like there's so many people in this community that we have that like have a desire to see these movies That's why, to me it feels like a new kind of sort of movement because these films are very specific in their like non-conventionality and the kind of themes they're approaching and it it feels like these movies wouldn't exist without each other in a way where like they kind of are all in this thing that kind of has to be i mean they're different they're so unique and it's really special to see yeah I don't know. That's really cool. Um, I do know uh, what was the um, the other one. The other reaction I saw was that the there was pretty. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name now. But we talked about it on our most anticipated episode. The movie with um, Stephen Yun and Kristen Stewart is getting kind of like mixed to like just okay reviews. And I was just like, oh, that's disappointing because I, I I mean I don't I don't know that my hopes I were think, too high. I think but like, these are really liked it. I, I know a lot of people. I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's gonna be like one of those things where it's like it's really a movie where you get to see Steven and Kristen do like amazing things and that's kind yeah. of maybe it. But if that's the case, like that's worth watching, you know. Kristen, no, I mean I'm obviously I'm gonna watch it regardless. You know, I just that was the other review I saw that I was like, Oh, that's a little disappointing. I was hoping this would be like Yeah. It might be the lesser of the two big Kristen movies this year, but like Sure. <laughs> that's Which the other Kristen. one is obviously another one we're super excited for, but that comes out quite soon so um yeah. yeah i don't know is there any other ones that you guys want to mention i guess i mean i don't know i don't know if you, you know well i just wanted to i this is just you just wanted a chance to talk, talk about talk about we're all going to the world's uh, fair or uh, yeah i saw the tv close sorry um yeah. no uh, i mean this is 
it's and... it seems very major because it's one of those rare things that you, specific rare for like 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 notably independent films like this um that are debuting in a smaller festival like sundance is like a big festival but it's like it's not that's not where major works debut is at sundance right um but it's like it's like it's, everybody's calling it fucking huge it's like it's um our it's our online people it's our tiktok people our, our twitter people our professional critic people all of them are like this is big like this is like an important movie um one other thing that they're all saying is that Justice Smith is really fucking yeah. good in this yeah. movie. <laughs> I like they were like, <laughs> award him, please. Like, uh, so that shit fucking. If this somehow launches like a put Justice Smith in everything campaign, um, that would be other than the fact that this is you know a major milestone for Jane's career. That would be a fucking awesome outcome if we just get justice smith and a bunch of good movies and like yeah. good directors just want to like work with him um that would be cool well, he's, he, i mean he's been in so much and i think he's very talented but he's kind of been shoehorned into this like these very specific types um where like he really he'll appear in like a big blockbuster movie but he'll be like very specific like typecast into this kind of like nerdy guy or something like that yeah yeah and not just that but um uh bridget lundy payne who mm -hmm. i don't i haven't heard as many people talking about her but i'm just, i'm very curious if she's oh, i will i've heard that she has like this really big monologue in the movie that's like really great and, okay, like she talks rocks, like, because she kind of mentioned in interviews like kind of repeating the monologue like daily on set like really like talk like it's like a really important part and she like really kind of went in the movie like i gotta get this part right and like that was a big yeah. uh, part of the movie I think um, that so would also be. Uh, I think that well. would be a cool outcome as well, like her getting more recognition and maybe attention. Because one thing I mentioned on our episode a few weeks ago was that she was in the show Atypical, which you know, not like the greatest show in the world or anything, but like she is by far my favorite part of that show. Like she, like easily my favorite part of that show. I think she's so good in it. So um, it'd be cool if she starts to show up and and more stuff as a result of this that'd be that'd be exciting yeah i don't know uh exciting movie uh we're all really excited to see it that'll yeah, be a very no, fun the, podcast uh, i mean the, the soundtrack is supposed to be really great i know alex g's doing the score is right he did the yeah. role against the world's fair uh score but apparently like david elric tweeted something out like i need this soundtrack now so yeah. there's just so many like cool little things about this this film that i'm excited to see so i know uh i saw the tv glow is already it, it, a24 has the shit locked down i think it's like might have been like a24 like even um did the production that aren't just distributing it i think they might have paid for like the production of it um yeah and uh so because with that knowledge right yeah i have no idea when the fuck we're gonna see this movie because a24 sucks ass and balls <laughs> um, right. uh my my thought process is like we're pro hopefully we're going to see it by the summer if not earlier because they're not probably not going to be doing like an oscar thing right no, um because I mean, if they were doing like an oscar thing then they, it would be fourth quarter is probably when they would do a wide release but yeah i don't i don't see i don't think that the oscars are ready for a movie like this. <laughs> um maybe at some point in the future when Jane's Justice Smith get more uh, 
you know, like, like break into the mainstream a bit more, but, um, it'd be cool if we could see it this summer. This seems like a good, a good movie to come out in the summer. That'd, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so no other movies we want to mention before. We oh, well, I, I guess one thing I've heard multiple people, um, multiple people <laughs> have, multiple people have said, um, Cronenberg influence on this bad boy, which right. is like the coolest. Like I've seen, I've seen Lynch, but I've seen multiple, multiple like Cronenberg references, which is yeah. like got me really excited. I mean, there's not a single thing you hear about this movie that doesn't make you more excited for it. <laughs> like, like every next detail you learn about it is is just like the next cherry on top, and they just keep like stacking up. Yeah, um, no, I mean it's it's one of those things where like the reactions out of the Sundance premiere were so so extreme and so like universal and overwhelming where i was just like oh this is gonna be i mean this is it this is gonna be the movie i I really like royal going to the world's fair but like yes this is seems like it's like the next step which is so cool i ran them also to bit i just like the (laughs) this is something that i read um but like there's a high school in the movie and the acronym for the high school is vhs which is it's like it's i don't know there's just so many like little things (laughs) like that's the coolest thing ever and yeah um okay we won't ramble on too much about this movie that we haven't seen yet but yeah we can wrap up there uh you could come back next week for episode 51 which is a pretty big episode uh one of our long anticipated movies of the past year that we uh, me and doug could finally watch owen has already seen the zone of interest um we will be talking about that yes. and uh the day that this episode comes out that morning the oscar nominations will be announced so uh on next week's episode we will be talking about those nominations uh, in, in a lot of detail, including like, you know, maybe who we would have picked and uh, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, that's what we'll be talking about next week. And we'll see you later.